0: You're listening to Healthcare Now Radio. Stand by for This Justin, the latest in healthcare innovation and technology trends with your HIT advisor, Justin Barnes. Thank you for tuning in. Welcome to This Justin. I'm your host, Justin Barnes. In these half-hour segments, I'll bring you the latest advancements in corporate strategy, innovation, and entrepreneurialism. As always, we're broadcasting from the This Justin Studios on the Business Radio X network, as well as the Healthcare Now radio network. For this episode, we're going to speak to a good friend, Chris Stanley, principal at Tech Accelerator. Which is a professional services firm that offers fractional CFO and strategic financial services to high-growth healthcare and technology companies. Uh, I came across Chris um, through the summer through a good, uh, close mutual friend of mine named John Balzer from Goldman Sachs, and just loved uh, what uh, Chris was doing with TechCelerator and just uh, some of the strategic advice he was offering his uh, his customers and, and partners. So um, glad to have you on the show today, Chris. Welcome. Thanks, Justin. Glad to be here. And uh, obviously, uh, we met through uh, John. Uh, John's a great guy. If, if for my guests that don't know John, many do. Uh, he's a fun guy in Atlanta. Uh, and if you uh, haven't had the pleasure to meet him, hopefully you will soon. We all both have a really good time with him. He's a close personal friend of both of ours. So uh, before we jump too far into tech accelerators and, and your background and the great work that you do around Atlanta, but also around the country, where were you born and raised and went to college?
1: Yeah. So, actually, I uh, I grew up here in Atlanta, um, in Marietta, not too, uh, just yeah. a few miles north of the city, and did my uh, undergrad at uh, Georgia Tech, and got out and uh, worked for Coca-Cola for a few years, yeah. and then uh, went back to school uh, for my MBA at Georgia State. So, I guess you could say I've kind of been around the block here in Atlanta, all the major landmarks.
0: Yeah. No, very cool. I actually forgot about the tech. That's another touch point we had, because of me being an EIR down at uh, Tech and still there. Um, uh, we have that uh, certainly in common, uh, but uh, very, very cool. So you're here in Atlanta, grew up in the area. What do you like about Atlanta, our ecosystem for business, for healthcare, for health IT?
1: Yep. I mean, you know, I've been in this uh, space for, you know, over 10 years now, and it's just been fun and interesting to watch it grow. I mean, as you are yep. well aware, it's it's changed dramatically, uh, the landscape in the past these past ten years, and particularly in the last probably three or four years, um, you know, it used to be the case where, you know, it was uh, it was tough to to bring in you know venture capital outside of the region, um, and you know I think we've seen that uh, change quite a bit here in the last few years, and um, getting a lot of interest from around the country, particularly with our you know, security kind of focus here, our healthcare focus. Um, you know, you're just seeing you're just seeing a lot of interesting companies come through. You know, particularly yeah. with uh, Atlanta Tech Village and what David Cummings has done there. Um, so it's 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 been a good environment, and uh, I'm excited to see what happens over the next five years.
0: Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. Security, healthcare. I know you and I talk about fintech off the air a little bit. So yeah, we've seen some just tremendous growth uh, come through, and I I couldn't agree more. We're having more capital invested. In our companies than ever before, we're attracting capital from Chicago, San Francisco, Boston, uh, New York. So, yeah, you know, you're completely uh, on target there. So, I mean, obviously, when you and I uh, first met up, uh, you told me about what you, got, you were doing in the fractional CFO and strategic advisory services you were offering through TechCelerator. But what led you to start that? I mean, it is a it is a no-brainer in, in some, some ways with your background and your experience, but uh, what led you to do it?
1: Yeah, so, you know, after... Um after got done with business school, I joined uh, Silicon Valley Bank. I uh, spent many years there, um, working with you know hundreds of companies, uh, anywhere from kind of the proverbial two guys in a PowerPoint, yeah. um, up to kind of small cap public companies, um, kind of the Atlanta market and then the broader Southeast market. And you know, really, when you have kind of that more thirty thousand foot view, kind of as a banker, um, as a lender. You, you see a lot of kind of the same things that are working, and uh, a lot of entrepreneurs making the same mistakes. Yeah. Um, and so, kind of, you know, really, obviously, providing kind of a uh, debt capital to these companies is is very beneficial. You know, less expensive, less dilutive. But what I really found myself doing was, um, yeah, really serving as uh, an advisor to these companies. Uh, you know, making introductions to the right folks. You know, to whether it's legal, accounting. Um, kind of helping guide them through those, uh, you know, the first uh, equity conversations um, they're having with potential investors, um, you know, buttoning up their presentations, um, just, you know, yeah. really watching these guys grow. And, and as you see, you know, as you're working with hundreds of companies, you kind of understand what's working, what's not. And so, you know, it was probably about three and a half years ago now, I said, well, let's hang up the banker's hat. And, uh, you know, let's see if we can formalize this and help these companies uh, on a more consistent basis.
0: Yeah, no, I can see because also a lot of these younger companies, they don't, and this even happens with me as through my advisory firm, you know, they don't need uh, nor what I want to work full time with them, but just because they don't need that kind of firepower full time. So I think the fractional side is very helpful. You can come in there, offer some platforms, some strategies, uh, help them grow You know, um, basically explode their pipeline, but then they can only digest so much at one time, no matter what you're throwing at them. So I think the fractional side certainly makes a lot of sense. uh, And uh, I think it's very, very smart. So, you know, you've had experiences in a lot of different markets, different types of companies. Uh, What uh, sectors interest you most, do you think?
1: Yeah. So, yeah, I have uh, worked with quite a few companies, like I say, both in in, um, my banking days um, and then these last three years, you know, anywhere from. Worked on kind of an early-stage fitness app um, to, you know, growth stage, predictive analytics uh, software company in the retail space. And most recently, the past uh, year or so, with a uh, with a high-growth uh, healthcare company here in Atlanta in the de- device benefits management space. So, I've really gotten a good view on, on a variety of, of uh, sectors. But, you know, two of the biggest opportunities, I guess, I see are kind of in healthcare mm-hmm. um, and in fintech right now. Yeah. So I mean, this you know sound like obvious answers. Those sort of buzzwords. FinTech has become sort of a catch-all for these types of companies. But you know, you know the healthcare space very well. Um, A lot's happening. A lot's changing. The speed of technology now is making things possible that weren't possible even you know eighteen months ago. Right. Um, So and you know historically these companies have focused you know the in the healthcare uh, space companies have focused sort of on that post episode of care savings opportunities. You know, you have the you've got the RCMS uh, yeah. um, and the uh, the auditors that come in, but I think really you know what's interesting and a big opportunity is uh, is kind of what I'll call point of care savings opportunities, kind of get, getting in there before um, you know before that episode of care.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree, and actually, on the uh, we certainly saw. Uh, from the ATT's, ATDC perspective, we uh, when we are doing our strategic plan for 2015, uh, fintech rose to the top. I think we had a lot of different, and it is a kind of a catch-all, but we had a lot of companies opfer, uh, you know, operating directly in the center of where fintech would be, but then also on the periphery. And so we decided, that, you know what, we're going to pull them in, we're going to help them, and we're going to enlarge our fintech strategy and our fintech business uh, through the ATDC, but then also not losing any focus on healthcare. We just kind of enlarged uh, to make sure that we brought fintech because it was a growing community here, uh, an ecosystem here in Atlanta and throughout the Southeast. So I completely agree. And I think your focus is uh, clearly on target. So um, and for those just joining in, we're speaking with Chris Stanley from the fractional CFO services company Techcelerator. So uh, along those same lines, what opportunities do you think remain uh, for those types of for these types of companies and those types of companies? Out there,
1: yeah. I mean, the, the opportunities are, are large. It's funny you mentioned that healthcare and, and fintech was kind of your focus, and yeah. I know that um, there was a large fund in New York that's that they've just started a a, a new fund that's actually called healthcare and and fintech focus. <laughs> so great. it's funny, kind of where yeah. those are kind of converging in sure. some respects. Um, but you know, within fintech, um, you know, looking at you know this the alternative lending space, marketplace lending, peer to peer. Um, whatever name you prefer to mm-hmm. to assign to it you know whether it 's consumer uh or small businesses it 's a huge opportunity um you know there 's a lot of me too's out there you know we of course we know we 've heard of the lending clubs and the prospers and mm-hmm. um there 's several others that are that are working on that, but you know you consider uh it 's you know three point two trillion dollar you know lending market and right. these guys uh with almost a billion and you know just fees and interest income off of that yeah. and these guys uh you know the alternative lenders out there today are only you know they're touching less than five percent of that wow. so it's um you know the opportunity remains remains very
0: large wow so as these companies look to grow um what do you think their key focuses then should be on financing and the capital raise side of the equation
1: yeah. Well, I mean, you know, some of these answers might sound obvious, but the reason they do and the re- reason they're off repeated uh, mm-hmm. is, is for a reason. Yeah. Um,
0: they're best practices, I would yeah. say.
1: But That's right. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly right. Um, but, you know, probably one of the most um, key things that I've, I've observed over the last three years um, is really fostering the right culture uh, through leadership, which starts yeah. at the top. I mean, it's, you know, it's, like I say, it sounds like such an obvious answer, but, you, you know, I've seen so many companies that just do not do that, and it really kind of festers and, and can affect the whole company. Um, yeah,
0: actually, I'm going to, so I know you have other points I'm sure you're going to cover, but just on this one point, I just want to talk about, because not only is it repeated and it's an obvious one, but you know what? It's probably the biggest one that's screwed up. Uh, I was on a panel last night on an at ATV, and um, one of the other panelists, who happens to be a good friend of mine, Carolyn Bradfield um covered some phenomenal points during the panel, but then also uh, afterwards shot us a note just kind of giving us some personal business advice. And the number one thing she mentioned uh, as we continue on our careers and start new companies is focus on culture. Uh, and, and that's what we did actually at Greenway. We focused on leadership training, becoming the very best leaders that we can. But we, from day one, we focused on building the right culture, having the right people around us, and all working towards the same goal and, and altruistically as possible. So, it, and it served us very, very well. And also, from what I've seen over the past 15, 16 months working with other companies, most cultures don't have that. And it's, it's, it's sad because now you, you go back to the stat where eight out of 10 companies fail. And now you start looking at what I just said. Most companies don't have that type of a culture. They're focused in the wrong areas, they're focused on innovation or just their technology and not realizing that it's, that's not going to get you ahead. It's your team, it's your employees, it's your culture. So, again, it's just so relevant because it was a point that came out last night. It, she emailed it out again this morning, and now you bring it up here on the air. So it's just, you know, kind of funny. But keep going, please. I had
1: no, I mean, that, that's that's absolutely right. Um, you know, you want everyone uh, singing from the same hymnal. That's right. Um, you know, you want to foster a culture where even the, quote-unquote, lowest-level employee can step up and, you know, bring problems to light and feel comfortable doing that. That's right. Um, you know, I've seen kind of command-and-control cultures where, you know, leadership kind of sits back and waits for reporting to come into the office. And, you know, if it doesn't get there, then someone's to blame. Right. And that's, you know, that's not how you sustain and, and grow, uh, you know,
0: a company like that. I yeah. no, completely agree. So what do you think on the, um, you know, some of the other best practices we talked about off air, like good understanding of, of equity and debt and, and various types of debt vehicles? And so what are your thoughts there?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, it's when you're an entrepreneur, uh, CEO, a founder, you know, you're focused on your product, your idea, your technology. Um, that's where you live and breathe day to day. And, you know, worrying about kind of finance and strategic finance, you know, that's just not where, where these guys want to be spending their time. Um, and to your point earlier, on the early stage side, it's not something that needs to be spent, you know, full time on. Um, but having kind of a, like you say, a good understanding um, of equity, uh, both when to raise it, why you're raising it, how much. Um, you know, it's just it's it's just so important. The companies they just don't they don't think about that. They might not have their game plan together, or someone's offering you know ten yeah. million. Hey, we only need five, but ten sounds great, so we'll take it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's understanding that dynamic, knowing when when and and how much to do it. Um, it's it's just extremely important, and then. You know, couple couple that with you know uh, debt capital options, which there are plenty today, yeah. as we just talked about some of the small business lending um, that can be you know potentially an option depending on your type of business. Um, but I guess kind of where I was going is more of you know the, the type of debt capital you can pair um, with your equity to produce you know your lowest cost of capital and preserve your ownership in the company you're building.
0: Yeah. No, I actually. You bring up some really good points on on when to raise capital, how to raise capital. Because I, I see a lot. Obviously, people need capital to grow their companies. They need capital just to stay alive as they go through some innovation um, hoops and 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 just grow the company, the infrastructure of the company. So sometimes they just take capital to take capital to keep the engine, you know, stoked and the fire stoked. But um, that's not always the best strategy. I mean, obviously, you got to do whatever you can to keep the company alive. But looking for the most strategic funding from the right source is going to benefit you the very most. Uh, I remember when we were going public, we actually turned down Goldman Sachs. No offense to our friend John Balzer, but uh, and it wasn't him uh, specifically. But um, we turned down because we wanted Morgan Stanley, uh, just because they were a better partner uh, for what we wanted to accomplish uh, and gave us better pricing uh, as well. But. Um, uh, with less points, but anyhow sure. but uh but no it, it was the right thing to do for us. And uh, we it worked out certainly in the end, but I think the some of the biggest advice that I know that you have offered to me and that we can offer is just to to look at who can offer you the most benefits, not just about the mighty dollar it is about right. that strategic advancement uh, that we you know can take from that partnership from that money, and I think they call it you know basically smart money, but whenever you can, whenever possible is take that smart money
1: that 's right that 's right and then um you know, and then you can take that and par- and pair that with smart debt. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of providers that, that look at, you know, transact, they look at, um, you know, look at it more from a transactional basis. And like you said, that might work in some scenarios, but you want someone who's in it uh, for the long haul, who's, you know, more relationship based and wants to be there um, and has a vested interest in, you know, your success. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of different types of uh, uh, kind of debt facilities that um, that are out there, you know obvious kind of term, cash flow based type facilities, um, or your accounts receivable line of credit. But, uh, you know, one example of a newer product, um, something I helped develop when I was at the bank, uh, is what we call a recurring revenue line of credit. But, you know, it's essentially, how do we, how do we, um, what can we lever with these companies uh, to provide them debt when they don't have your traditional accounts receivable or inventory. Uh, But they do have, you know, recurring revenue, um, repeatable customers. Um, and that's an asset, and it's an asset that you can lend against. And it proved, you know, at the time it was very innovative, um, and it proved to be quite popular. And you know, see a lot of other banks doing that type of structure now. So just being aware of of the options is just as important.
0: Yeah, actually, you bring up a good point because there's a couple of investors that I've met down at the Angel Lounge at the ATDC, and uh, one of their vehicles is a form of that on the Angel side. is looking for smaller companies, but say they've got. Three hundred thousand dollars a month, or five hundred thousand dollars a month in recurring revenue, they'll lend against that, and uh, and it's actually pretty attractive um, terms. So it's, very I, impressed with that. These are angel guys doing it, not banks. So it's yeah. kind of cool to see it trickle. Oh, down. it's it's you know a traditional bank might look at that
1: and uh, with wide eyes, and it might seem scary, mm-hmm. um, but it's you know it's a it's a fairly uh, safe product, and it absolutely helps the entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, especially in kind of a SaaS SAS structured business, where there you know sales and marketing is where their um, time and investment needs to be, um, and so if you can lever your your uh, recurring revenue um, to to help that and grow that, then you know th-
0: that's that's valuable. Yep. And so some of the other best practices you've mentioned uh, were around consistent financial and um, board of director reporting process. What tell me about that? Certainly for my audience.
1: Yeah, it's another one that that seems obvious, but. <laughs> You'd be shocked, or, I or maybe you would. not <laughs> Correct. <laughs> I which know, you've been around, you're not shocked, but you're right. right. I know yeah. you sit on several boards, so I'm sure you've seen it as well. Um, but just, yeah, it seems so obvious. A consistent, like you say, it's a consistent financial reporting process. You know the the, the metrics you're tracking uh, on a monthly basis. Um, you have that reporting should be consistent in what your board sees on a monthly or quarterly basis as well, and not a scramble two days before your board meeting to throw a deck together, which I've seen way too many times. Yeah. You know, and it's like, guys, we can step back. Let's look at what we're trying to show the board. What what message we you know we want them to understand each quarter, and let's put that to our monthly tracking. Let's you know, those are metrics that, that the whole company needs to be aware of. Very true. Um, again, that goes the, back
0: to the culture too.
1: Exactly, yeah. right back to the culture. Right. Um, and I've you know, and I've seen that dynamic too, where you know, leadership um, keeps uh, kind of those strategic finance or strategic initiatives uh, to themselves. Um, and you know, you've got a 30 or 40 person company and that's just, you know, that's not the way that it's not going to get done that way. Um, every, every employee from the bottom to the top needs to know of the situation. Yeah. That's
0: why I actually love this radio show because it forces me to, to talk strategically with people. And so while you say a lot of the stuff is common sense to all of us, we're doing so many things a day. We forget. And actually, uh that was something we did at greenway and i need to bring back to some of the companies that i uh, that i advise just around that consistent reporting and the transparency that's a very good point because that goes back to we had that at greenway every single employee knew where we stood what we had to accomplish what goals we were trying to achieve what issues we had to you know hurdles we had to clear uh, and it really allowed you know 900 1000 of our employees to run in the same direction and when you have 1000 people running in the same direction what you can accomplish is is unli- is limitless uh, but when you don't have that transparency, people start to run in different directions, and it's like herding cats. And I'd rather run as a stampede. Yeah, that. That's right, towards um, success.
1: You know, I, I think of one example of that where you know it's a early stage company, maybe ten, twenty employees uh, a few years back, and you know they had about three weeks of payroll left. And you know, I was speaking with the CEO, and I said, "Have that conversation. Yeah. Have that conversation with everyone." So he pulled them into the meeting and said, "Look, guys, this is the deal." you know we 've got three weeks of cash, I know that's going to scare some of you, um, but at the end he said it it, it really strengthened their resolve um, because now they 're all like you say they 're on the same page, yeah. um, and they're kind of, they 're fighting together yeah. uh, to accomplish
0: that you know, that needed next step yeah you 'd be shocked if you brought those types of strategies to people you'd be shocked at how much money you could save really quickly and how the purse strings tighten right up with everybody when we say, oh my gosh, we've got to cut our spending." For the next month or whatever it is, or next, uh, the next couple of days and next week, whatever we've got to do to get through the next, you know, let's take three weeks of cash, turn it into six weeks of cash or something like that to the best of our ability. If everybody's moving in that direction, you can save money. I mean, I did that. There were times where we had ebbs and flows in our cash flow, and because and, the alternative is you've got to cut people. And so, but, and you don't, have to, you don't even have to say it. You say, hey guys, we've got a mission. we got to cut, reduce spending by 30, 40% over the next couple of weeks or, or over the next month or so. Everybody's all hands on deck. They get it. They're mature. Certainly, if you built the, built the right team, have the right culture, uh, and you can do amazing things with companies if you, do, if you have that kind of transparency. So very good point.
1: Yep, that's right. Um, you know, had you rather receive kind of an email from your <laughs> sales manager that says you need to cut your expenses with no explanation? Yeah. Or, you know, is it more of a rally where right. everyone's together and say, okay, now I get it. This makes sense. Let's work together and figure it
0: out. Very good point. Great, uh, great best practice there in building a great culture. So what differentiates your company, to Accelerators, from your competitors?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and there's, you know, there's a lot of folks in town that, that help companies out. And, and, you know, the good news is, as we spoke earlier, Atlanta is growing so fast. Yeah. The, the ecosystem here is growing so fast. And it's every day I'm hearing, you know, I used to feel like I was abreast of all the, all the startups. And <laughs> it's almost, you know, every other day I'm hearing of one that I had not heard of. Same here. Um, <laughs> And you know so so there's plenty there's a lot of companies here that need help, and you know there's some other good good folks in town that that uh, do do uh sim, you know provide similar services and I, and I've worked with many of those guys um, you mm-hmm. know either either in uh, conjunction with some things worked on the last three years or you know my banking days on being on the other side of the table um, and they're great guys, but you know I think the most important thing is know you know understand your need yeah. uh, and know that you need this kind of help um you know whether it's, you know, part-time or full-time, or maybe it might even just be four or five, you know, five, ten hours a week. Um, but as long as someone is focusing on it. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: So I would say then your benefit there and, and how you differentiate yourself is really just because of your strategy, your fluidness, your flexibility with working with people? Is that? I think so. And, you know, bringing... Expertise, in, obviously, your background.
1: Yeah, I mean, bringing the kind of the... the um, banking or you know investor kind of perspective to the table um you know it's funny in these last few years i've renegotiated some of my own loans um uh, <laughs> that i good. did for for some of some of my clients yep. uh, years ago um and so just really having that ability to drill down uh, on some of you know those types of of uh, initiatives um and having been in in you know on the other side of the table on the other side of the equation in those shoes before um I think it's a real value add. So, you know, I can, um, I can look at entrepreneur now and and say, look, you know, understand what you're trying to accomplish. And I've been in your shoes, you know, these last few years, I get it. Um, it's funny, you know, when you're, when you are on the other side as you know, bank, uh, banker, investor, uh, you think you have a pretty good understanding of what these companies are going through on a day-to-day basis. And then when you actually step into the door, you know, on the other side now, you realize, wow, I didn't, you know, I had no idea. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of things here that need to be addressed as we've spoken to here in the last few minutes.
0: So if a company wanted to engage you, uh, and, uh, and, and what would you say for them to understand they need your assistance? Uh, what would they come to you with or what will you say? Hey, if you, if these two or three things are occurring in your organization or you're looking to do X, Y, and Z, what would you say that you're the right phone call for them?
1: Yep. Um, you know typically these companies are going to have uh, a good account you know kind of staff accountant, maybe it's a controller uh, controller like function and mm-hmm. that's great um, absolutely need that you know very important uh, but when it comes to kind of looking at the big picture, yeah. um, you know more strategic picture you know as you know the equity uh, fundraising activities as we've talked about, um, you know looking at new products new new channels um, I think that's where I can really come in and, you know, add value to these guys. Like I say, having, having been there and done that before, um, but also, and, and also taking that very relationship based approach, um, you know, which is obviously extremely important, uh, here, but, you know, any fundraising activities, um, you know, any help looking at, uh, you know, looking at, at, at uh, like I say, new products, uh, new opportunities, new channels, um, are all, are all good places to start, uh, and, you know, and to engage in a conversation.
0: Excellent. So, over the past couple of years with tech accelerators, what have you learned on this journey so far?
1: Well, <laughs> like I said, it's uh, you're surprised when you actually get in on the other side and you know get in their shoes at just you know what all is involved on a day to day basis. Um, but what I've really learned, you know, what I've learned is, you know, these things we've talked about, if, if you do these and execute them right, you're going to have a successful company. Right. Um, and maybe, you know, we, we, we said a few different times today that, you know, these are kind of obvious points. Um, and, and maybe that's a reason people overlook them because they seem obvious. And, and so they just assume, you know, that they're doing that. Um, but you know, that leaders that, you know, fostering that right culture, um, you know having uh you know a consistent reporting process um yeah. it's just so important
0: yeah no uh, actually very good point so um i always ask this in closing of my guests my guests what's your favorite place to get or be inspired
1: you know honestly uh i'd say this past summer has been uh, up on lake lanier yeah um purchased a, uh, a boat for my family uh, earlier this season and it's been an amazing summer and uh, we've had a lot of good times, you know, get the kids out there and do some tubing and, and skiing, but uh, on the flip side, I can go out there by myself and anchor down in a cove and uh, get, some, get some thoughts and productivity done. So it's yeah. been nice.
0: That's actually my, that was my answer. I you can I was, relate. Yeah, I was on a show a couple of weeks ago and the, the uh, announcer, the host asked me the same question and I said, being on my boat, that's where I mainly mainly get most of my mental clarity and, and just kind of open up and free think.
1: Yep. So, In fact, I think one of the last times I was out there, yeah, I noticed you were anchored down about 400 yards away from me, <laughs> but I didn't bother you. Exactly. <laughs> that's funny. That's
0: great. Yes. No doubt. <laughs> All right, Chris. It was great to have you as my guest today, and I truly appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us in the studio. Uh, and thank you for uh, to everyone for listening uh, and joining us today. Please tune in weekdays at 2.30 p.m. Eastern, 11.30 a.m. Pacific. As always, you can track me on Twitter at HITAdvisor and use the hashtag ThisJustin so we can respond to your comments from the show. In addition, all my content is always posted on my site at JustinBarnes.com. Thanks, everyone. Have a terrific week.